wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. Uh, this is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Uh, this is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful uh, to be able to share with you again. This week we're following the theme, the Bible money in a materialistic world. And the big question for today, is the prosperity gospel biblical? Today our co-host is Eric Hoare. Eric's the recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. Welcome to you, Eric. Well, thank you, Gary. Had to run through the showers to get in here today. I tell you what, it's hardly beautiful here in Adelaide today, is it? You know, I mean, it's one of those days that you sort of say, hey, we stay inside. I thought winter had passed us by, but it's come back again. Well, the last time I was here, I was in shorts, but I got my longs on today. So. That's right. When you walked in, I actually had the heater on in the studio. I thought I had finished with that no, for the entire uh, for the entire season. But uh, uh, it, it is wonderful to have spring uh, coming upon us. It, it's fantastic to be able to uh, bask in this weather at the present Never time. Never mind, Gary. Daylight savings coming. So. Oh, don't talk to me about that, Eric. <laughs> You're throwing out uh, fishing lines. I can see that. But anyway, uh, Eric, look, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Look, all your life, uh, you've been in Christian sales. You've been sharing Christian literature. Mm. Eric, you know a great deal about books. Now, of all the books that you've sold, what's your favourite? Well, Gary, um, 32 years I've been a literature evangelist uh, going, uh, selling books. Now, what's um, a literature evangelist? A literature evangelist is somebody that's called by God to sell um, Christian books, uh, Bibles, uh, Christian literature, uh, health books, uh, to take it out to the people, either door-to-door or at shows, at uh, book displays, yeah, uh, yeah. party plans, those sort of things, yeah. uh, a great range there. Yeah. And I know that you guys have got some absolutely fantastic uh, books that you do actually share, mm. and you must have shared a lot over the years. Yes, a lot. I, I know that uh, there's a lot of families out there that their bookcases are full of books, and and some for the children. That my favourite ones were. Uh, it's actually two I I really love selling. They're both by the same author actually. Mm-hmm. And they, one of them was for the children was the Uncle Arthur bedtime stories years ago. I remember those. Yep, yep. I love selling those and some great stories in there that changed um, that really made a lot of difference to a lot of children. I remember one time um, there was a story in one of them where. Um, um, a little girl, it was called Annie and the Indians, and this little uh, girl um, uh, really loved this story back, set back in the time in America when there were Indian wars and uh, how um, the Indians were burning down ranch houses and uh, the one of them came, an Indian with war paint on, came to a, a house and knocked on the door uh, and uh, this girl was in there and she came to the door and uh, uh, he could smell food and he rubbed his tummy and she gave him a pie uh, an apple pie actually and uh, that was the only um, ranch that wasn't burnt down because of the little girl's kindness and this little girl I'd sold this book to absolutely loved the story and uh, uh, when uh, she, uh, not long after she'd 
received the book, I got a message to say that she'd been killed on the road. This little girl had was going across the crossing. This was the girl that bought your bought your book. Yes, the parents had bought the books for her, and she was crossing the road in in Rickerton and uh, in New Zealand, the South Island, across Rickerton Road, and she was tragically killed going across the crossing. And uh, um, they said, "Look." Um, uh, we forgot to let you know about the funeral, but they said uh, we've got a video. Would you like to see? It? And I did. I watched it, and uh, <clears throat> there they they had the the coffin of the little girl there. And uh, they said right at the end, they said there was a special story that our daughter loved, and it was called mm. Annie. And, the, and I'm going to read it out. And they read the story out, and then they got wow. the little book and put it into the uh, into the coffin with the little girl. And the parents said at the end there that. The little, this little girl that died would not change one word, would not let them change one word of the story that she loved it so much. Wow. And so they did. It, it made deep impressions on kindness and, and this little girl's that's, life. That's something <clears throat> that makes an incredible impact on your life and in, in your ministry when you realize that, hey, you've actually touched uh, lives to that extent. That's right. So the, uh, the author of these stories was, uh, we called him Uncle Arthur, it was Arthur Maxwell. Yeah. And he also wrote another book called Today, Tomorrow, you, uh, which is brilliant. It uh, used to be called Your Bible and You, and these are, um, yeah, these have gone into many, many homes. And this is like, it's like doing really a Bible study in an easy way through different topics, right through. About it talks about your life, your home, uh, your health, your problems, your God, and it takes you right through. And I know that this book here <clears throat> today, tomorrow, and you has brought many people close to God. In fact, they say that this one, many people have, have chosen baptism because of this book that's helped them. In other words, they've decided to actually walk with Christ as a result of reading this particular book. That's correct. It's it's actually helped to explain the Bible as well, and and uh, because it's right through this book here, uh, which I've got in my hand, uh, it actually um, has all the text right through the different topics of getting to know God and then what God does in your life and what happens in the future. He actually answers a lot of the really big questions. I mean, we're talking about big questions for God on this program here, mm. but in that particular book, I know that I, I've actually spent some time actually selling um, Christian literature as well, and mm. that book is probably my favorite book. If I can possibly get that into the hands of someone, that's a book that I love to be able to share share with them, because it is so simple, mm. and yet it explains the Bible in in such a wonderful such a wonderful way. Yes, um, it's easy reading, yeah, and, and yeah. that's the thing that a lot of people find. Find, you know, and it's beautifully illustrated as well. Yeah. And so this book here is, is yeah, uh, many of these I, I put into homes and, and people have really appreciated. I mean, Arthur Maxwell authored over 112 books, I think, in his in his time. Yeah. Um, so fond memories. Yeah, yeah. Book. No, that's fantastic. Look, folks, if there is anybody who would really appreciate a copy of Today, Tomorrow and You, uh, we can put you in touch with someone who can supply a, a copy. They do come at, come at cost. But if you would like to be put in contact contact uh, with someone uh, to be able to get this particular uh, book, uh, please text uh, me, that's Pastor Gary at 0438 066635. Give me your contact details, that's Pastor Gary at 0438 066635 and I'll pass on your details to someone who can make contact with you about this particular book.
Now, of course, this week in our discussion segment, we're looking at the Bible and money in a materialistic world. And today we're asking, is the prosperity gospel biblical? Now, this is a huge question. But before we go, Eric, to that Bible study, I'd like to chat to you about an article that's appeared in this month's ministry magazine. Now, this is a magazine that I subscribe to that comes to me month by month. I've come to really appreciate this particular magazine. The article is simply entitled Enough. And since it fitted in with our uh, theme for this week, I thought, hey, this is worth us uh, actually chatting about. Now, this is what it, what it says. How much more money would you need in order to have enough? That's the big question it starts with. According to research, the magical number is $10,000. However, after many of those people who said that 10,000 people would be enough received raises, they were asked the same question again. And they said that $10,000 more would be enough. A bottom line, they never had enough, no no matter how much they had. During the COVID-19 crisis, many people have lost their livelihoods, savings and financial security. However, what the 10,000 magical number illustration shows is that whatever our circumstances, we often focus on what what we do not have rather than what we do have. Rather, we believe that God has, uh, rather, we believe then uh, God has blessed us immensely and continues to do so crisis after crisis. And then we express gratitude for those blessings, big or small. We often talk and live as though we never have enough. And then it goes on to say this even in church employment, we hear, I don't have enough money. I've worked throughout the church, the author says, uh, for more than 33 years. As a local pastor, I remember thinking, if only head office uh, would give us more money at the local church, we'd be fine. Head office, in turn, uh, often say, if only the corporate church uh, would give us more money, we'd be okay. No question, many of these needs are real And we need to regularly evaluate our distribution of money, uh, the money of God's funds throughout the church. But even after funds have been distributed, there is never enough. We need more is the cry from the scarcity mindset. Eric, is this something that you've you've noticed in your life? I mean, uh, could you handle an extra... $10,000 $10,000 in, you know, in your life. When you're reading it, Pastor, here, I thought, man, $10,000 will not go much these days. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, for sure. I mean, you know, we always strive for something, and then when we have it, we don't sort of really appreciate it. We strive for more, whatever it is, yeah. whether it's It's money. amazing that, our, that our, uh, our needs seem to expand, or dare I say it, even contract uh, completely. Uh, compared to the uh, amount of money, uh, the amount of resource that we do actually have. I think also it means too that, you know, when we, we get to the set amount, we have a goal and get to it, you know, we think it would be happy then, but we're not happy. We're, we're in a mindset where, you know, we're not, we want more. Instead of being uh, appreciating what we have, 
and thinking, well, I've got that, whereas somebody else hasn't got that, we think, no, I, I'm going to need more than that, you know. And when you get to retirement, they're saying now that when you retire, you need X number of dollars, and that's it's it's incredible. In fact, I'm say. interested that you bring that up because to me, I, the numbers that I've heard quoted are actually quite frightening. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'll be coming up within. You've just recently retired, and within a few years, I'll be certainly moving the similar direction. And the numbers that are being thrown around, I look at it and say, oh well, I'm never going to be able to achieve. Uh, those sorts of numbers, you know, they're actually quite quite frightening. And yet, what our um, our article is suggesting to us is that uh, we we're not looking at a we're looking at a scarcity mindset mm. instead of uh, the uh, an abundance mindset. The article actually goes on to say, in contrast to the mindset of scarcity, there's the mindset of abundance. A mindset of abundance is rooted in the belief that we do actually have enough. Mm. What does it? Um, what it does? What those things that we do have? Uh, when we have this mindset that we have an abundance, we are ready to share it with others. When we view life through a mindset of abundance and live generously, it reflects on the character of God. Our generosity reflects the type of God we serve. Our generosity impacts how others view us. Our generosity reflects whether or not we believe God's word. Now, is this idealistic or do you think there's an element of of truth to this area? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, if you feel that... What you have is yours, and if you do something with it and uh, and lessen it, then you know you're weakening yourself. Rather than thinking of the other person and helping out there, uh, we tend to spend even our time in accumulating more wealth and and things to make us happy. When the time really should be spent helping others and and bringing and because they have some of them have nothing. So I do really believe that, uh, and we're not happy. I mean, I mean. Years ago in New Zealand, I remember uh, the richest, I was with 21 people in a, a printing press and the richest person amongst us every day had the newspaper out checking his shares every morning at morning tea time. Mm, he was not mm, happy, mm. yet he was the wealthiest but he wasn't the happy. He, he was the least happy of anybody there yeah, yeah, than the yeah, rest yeah. of us. So it is, as you say, the mindset is that if you give and and share and you're happy with your lot and and you know and 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 you, you thank God for that. You, are, your mindset is uh, is happy because you have the abundance that God gives. Yeah, us. we're actually going to come to some words that Paul spoke uh, mm. that talked about his manner of living. And to mm. me, I think this is actually very powerful for the consumeristic world that we're actually living in. Because I know yesterday we were talking about materialism. That was mm. one of the uh, that was the theme that we looked at yesterday. In fact, we've almost got this. We have got a culture that has developed a materialistic a cons- consumeristic lifestyle where the expectation is is that I'll be constantly getting more uh, but we're challenged I think we're going to be challenged today uh, to actually say hey uh, maybe enough is enough maybe the bigger challenge than getting more money is actually quantifying what our real needs really are I think the COVID uh, crisis has really brought to light um, this actual subject because when you even look at just toilet paper that seemed like it was worth the weight of gold that people would go in and rush in and stack it all up and yet, you know, people in need just couldn't get it and it really shows how quickly things can change in the world that we're all out for ourselves, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love the way this article actually finishes off. This is not to say that we mindlessly give of our resources of time 
time, abilities and finance to those who will misuse them and abuse them or that we must succumb to the pressure to give to those who do not need it or that we must fall prey to the consumeristic mindset of our society which says you are not generous if you don't give stuff. Being generous can take place even during a crisis, being generous uh, not only with our finances but also with our time, our talents, our praise, our grace of forgiveness and our acceptance reflects the generosity of God. Really, do you think there's a point there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is talking about the Christian life, isn't it, that um, that we are, you know, we, we don't have the old man um, making those decisions all the time, that we have a new life, a new heart, which makes yeah. us, opens our eyes to see the needs of others because when we're centered on ourselves, we're like in blindness, what the Bible talks about. So this is talking about seeing in a new way and seeing the opportunities to share and give, which therefore we receive the blessings back. Mm. These are not monetary things. These are talking about now our, the characteristics of what God and some of the things that we get the most satisfaction from oh. are actually not financial anyway. No, that's They're, right. It's that's, actually bound up in relationship, isn't it? It does, and it brings happiness into our lives, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and that's what it's all about, eh? You know, I think that's what it's about. Yeah. Thank you, Eric. Let's come to some uh, music, folks. This is Randy Travis. Uh, love uh, this particular song, uh, Above All. Above all wonders, 
this world has ever known Above all wealth and treasures of the earth There's no way to measure what you're worth Crucified, lay behind the stone You live to die Travis, above all, what a beautiful song. We've got a free gift for you today. If uh, if you would like to uh, to text and request this uh, this gift, this is uh, totally free. Uh, the gift is uh, The Giving Equation. This is a brand new a book. It's just recently uh, hit the uh, hit the market. Written by Ken Long, a Christian uh, based in uh, in Sydney, and uh, he has put the principles of um, our relationship, the Christian's relationship with God and money into one simple, easy-to-read book. If you'd like a copy of The Giving Equation, just 80 pages, then uh, you can text me at 0438 Just write The Giving Equation and give me your contact details and we will send you a copy of The Giving Equation. That's totally free, uh, that, that particular book. Uh, welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Eric Hoare. And Eric's the recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. And this week we're following the theme, The Bible and Money in a Materialistic World. It's an important subject. And the big question for today is, is the prosperity gospel biblical? Now, I know uh, many people are, are asking, what is the prosperity gospel? And many may never have heard what the prosperity gospel actually is. I I was reading an article just uh, just a little while ago, and, uh, and this is what it says. Um, does God want you to be rich and healthy? The article started. Prosperity teachers are a dime a dozen, the article 
says, in our modern culture. These preachers and teachers harness the modern technological advances like radio, television, internet and apps for the phone to spread their message of health, wealth and happiness to a wide viewing audience. The premise of prosperity theology is that it's possible to thrive in this world as God's child and be lavished with blessings so you can literally have your best life now. At the heart of this message is the idea that if you are strong enough in your faith, courageous in your giving, and truly believe, God will supply you with health, wealth, and prosperity. The prosperity preachers have developed their own religious vocabulary in order to, for you to get to sow the seed, to sow gift offerings into their ministries. Joel Ustein. Uh, wrote to his congregation in 2005 and said, God wants us to prosper financially, to have plenty of money, to fulfill the destiny he has laid out for us. Recently, Creflo Dollar, a well-known prosperity preacher in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, had made national news as a result of his campaign to raise $60 million to purchase a luxury Gulfstream jet. According to the website for Creflo Dollars Ministry, they were requesting 200,000 people committing to sow $300 or more to help achieve our goal to purchase the G650 aeroplane. As I, as I read this, Eric, I sort of thought, hey, this is amazing. You know, does, does God expect, does the, do the scriptures and God uh, offer us these sorts of gifts? I mean, is health and wealth to be something we can expect as a result of being believers? In fact, is this a, a biblical teaching? Well, I've seen those preachers on television myself, Gary. I've, I've watched a few of them, uh, a lot of them in America, um, asking for funds yeah. and, uh, yeah. and their yeah. life. So, in fact, I've seen some documentaries where they've gone in and studied and found corruption yeah. in a lot of places like that. First of all, I'd like to start off in the Old Testament. I think it's sure, a good place sure, to start. Sure. And uh, I think the first thing we need to recognize is Psalms fifty twelve, where it says, um, if I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. So I think as Christians, we recognize now that everything that is in the world belongs to God. This is actually the, 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 the very base of Christian theology, isn't it? That, yep. You know, what we've got is a creator who has made the world and that everything ultimately mm. can be traced back to the, uh, to the gifts of our God. And the blessings that we receive, plus the monetary things as well, it doesn't belong to us. We're only here temporally. It's given to us by God. And when we have that mindset, it changes us because therefore we are grateful for what we receive. Mm. Uh, and therefore we're not looking to, uh, to rip people off or increase Increase it because we're not selfish, and and this is the the complete different line between a believer. Uh, I mean, there are good people who who don't believe. Don't get me wrong, mm. who who do the right thing. But when you've got that changed attitude, there is a difference about a creator being in charge of it all. Okay, so so what we what we're suggesting here is that um, that God in heaven is the one who has created. He has given to us to manage. 
almost in a in a temp on a temporary loan type basis because as you correctly say uh, you know Eric we are here for such a short time mm-hmm. and the thing that I'm really conscious of is uh, the wealth that my parents has ha- my parents had mm-hmm. was finally passed on to me at at my death and that wasn't a great sum of money mm-hmm. but I'm conscious that in their short lives they had accumulated a a small amount that was then had to be passed on to somebody else and when 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 I pass on mm-hmm. then you know my children my family and maybe some 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 others uh, uh, you know this is something that you look at and you say hey you know uh, yeah, well, my story is a little different because my dad uh um, never owned a house or owned a car. Yeah. He always uh, rode his bike everywhere or walked. But when he died, um, we actually paid for his funeral because there was no money. There was no money. Nothing left yeah. there. Yeah. So the family put in for that. But, you know, what he gave us was uh, the love and the characteristics of a father that uh, that meant so much to us, you know. Yeah. So this is a blessing yeah. Yeah. as well that the money yeah. is good to have and to pass on, but also um, the fact that we, we love uh, our family families as God loves us and that you know that's the whole world isn't it to, to be the family and and the so my father didn't leave us anything material but he left us with the blessings of his life yeah yeah you yeah. know so that that goes a long way in fact it says here in Ecclesiastes 5 18 to 20 I love this one it says behold what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun, the few days of life that God mm. has given him, mm. for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his soil, this is a gift of God, for he will not much remember the days of his life, because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. This this is a beautiful thought, isn't it? You know, as I sort of look at this, I say, hey, you know, the book of Ecclesiastes, and for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with the, the book of Ecclesiastes, it comes uh, Psalms, then Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. It's right uh, towards the center of the Bible. But the beautiful thing about it is that it's written by King Solomon. Now, of course, mm. King Solomon is the wisest man who, you know, God gave this gift of wisdom. Mm. And uh, Solomon actually writes his life story in the book of Ecclesiastes, and he says, "I tested all of these different things in uh, throughout my life. I looked at wine, women, and song. You know, yes. so, he had a few wives. He had a few wives. <laughs> you know, uh, this was amazing. And he goes through and he talks about his relationship to each one of these things and the many projects, business projects that he went. And you know, as I look at that particular book, I say, hey, there is actually so much wisdom in that book mm. uh, for the world in which we're actually living today." Day. Uh, but Eric, you know, let's come back to our, our question. Mm. You know, we're looking in a, you know, does God, is God going to make Christians? This is the prosperity gospel. If I accept Christ, is it reasonable to say that God's going to make me rich? Well, we've got to understand what God's treasury is when he talks about that. Um, what is God's treasury when he says, you know, I'll make you rich? What is it? Is that actually, is it, uh, is it money? I think the answer comes once again from the Bible in Deuteronomy 28, 12 mm-hmm. to 14. It says, the Lord will open to you his good treasury. Mm-hmm. So what is that? Uh, to give 
the rain in your land in its season and to bless you all the work of your hands. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, be careful to do them. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today to the right hand or to the left to go other gods or to serve them. So what he's saying is, I will bless you your life. I will give you the treasury. Uh, and this treasury to me is is happiness and a good life. If you walk the right way, if you stay close to me, he's saying, if you obey my commandments, if you if mm. there's a right mm. way and a wrong mm. way in this life. Mm. And and before I was a Christian, you know, as as other people do, we walk the wrong way. We don't know, you know, whose power we're under. So there is a dividing line. But he says, My treasury, I will give you this good treasury if you stay close to me and walk with me. But this treasury is not uh, is not the riches uh, as we know it, but it's it's things that go with that. Uh, and there are texts that we'll look at shortly, which t- does talk about money. But I think that's an important point to understand that the treasury of heaven that he's talking about here is a happy, fulfilled life. Mm-hmm. Okay, just yep. dig dig more into the word on this one. Okay, and the other things that say here. Um, one of the big ones is uh, Matthew 6.24. It says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll, he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So the thing is, is that... God does bless us in our lives and, you know, we need money to, to do things and whatever, but we cannot put money ahead, uh, in a strong way against God. But we, that we, that we have money in the place where it should be in our Christian walk. Mm, That's mm. what it's saying there. Um, and the other ones it says too is, um, uh, first Timothy six seventeen to 19 says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. But on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy, they are to do good to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so they may take hold of that which is truly life. You know, Pastor Gary, it's interesting, but they've done a study on people who win the lotto. Mm Mm-hmm. Very interesting. It says here that lotto winners, this is in America, lotto winners are more likely to declare bankruptcy within three to five years than the average American who goes bankrupt in a business. And it says nearly one third of lottery winners eventually declare bankruptcy. Wow. It's amazing. I mean, if you won the lottery, you'd think you wouldn't be made that this... This is the thing, you know. It talks also of a story of, of a person in, uh, called Jack Whitaker in 2002 in West Virginia. He won $315 million in a lottery. Wow. And he, he told the Time magazine, I wish I'd torn the ticket up. Mm. He says, since winning, Whitaker's daughter and granddaughter died due to drug overdoses because they had, they had the money to buy the drugs. Mm-hmm. Just eight months after winning, he was robbed of 545000 He says, I don't like whom I've become. I don't like the hard heart I now have, he said. And the person who runs the lottery, a financial consultant, Don McClay, he says, no question about Whitaker. He says it, it was because he won the lottery, he, he, he's the last person I would have prototyped for going completely crazy, but he did. Mm. And he says, McKay says, many winners struggle with suicide, depression, and divorce. It's the curse of the lottery because it made their lives worse 
and instead of improving them, he said. And this is the winners we're talking about. This These is the, the winners, winners, not yeah. the losers. Yeah. You know? I, right. In fact, this is one of the subjects this Thursday this week. We're actually going to be digging into this this subject of gambling, the whole, the whole scene of gambling. We're going to be saying, hey, look, you know, is there, does the scriptures have anything to say to us about this entire issue? Because to me, I think this is a really big one. This is one that our society has really uh, doubled down on and particularly and what we're going to discover is that uh, during the uh, the period of COVID, uh, online gambling has actually gone through the absolute roof. Mm. It's it's really started to impact negatively the lives of so many people. People don't have the place to be able to spend the money as they uh, normally would have. Therefore, you go online. What's one of the obvious entertainments online? Well, uh, there's lots of gambling that can occur online. We're going to talk about this later in the week because mm. I think that uh, this issue that you've brought up is so important that we'd come to an understanding of. But today, let's come back to this Mm. issue that we're talking today, Mm. Eric, because, Mm. uh, you know, God, we're talking here, does God guarantee if we become a Christian that we're going to become prosperous? You know, I'm, I'm thinking particularly of you know, you remember Job yep. in the, in the Bible. You know, Job is a really interesting example. Um, can you tell us a little bit about his story? I mean, uh, to me, almost exactly the opposite seemed to happen in his life. Well, it says in the Bible and in, in Job, it actually says that Job was uh, well, he was a, a very wealthy man. Uh, he was one of the uh, uh, most important. Uh, person of the time when it came to possessions and uh, he was an upright man in fact it says in Job here uh, in uh, verse uh, 1 that there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job and that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil he actually had seven daughters sorry seven sons and three daughters his possessions were 7,000 sheep which is a lot in those times 3,000 and so it went on a Mm. huge amount Mm. Mm. Um, and it says here that um, that uh, uh, Satan came and uh, and said about Job that uh, God was uh, um, was blessing him with all these things, but Satan dared God. He said, "If I take away all his possessions, that's what's keeping him close to you. Yeah, is all yeah. the possessions that he has. But if yeah. I take away." Of some of these possessions, a lot of these possessions, then uh, Job will disown you. He will curse you. you yeah, know? yeah. And uh, and God, of course, allowed him, to, allowed Satan to actually take away all of these uh, good things. I mean, he, he was regarded as the one of the well, the richest man in the entire East. Mm. Now, you know, to me, just imagine that. You know, I mean, yep. here we're talking. You know, worldwide, he's uh, super rich, mm. and yet. God allows Satan to take allows bad things mm. to happen to a good man. Mm. Uh, you know, he loses his possession, he loses his children, he loses, you know, everything that he owns, he actually loses. Yeah. Now, mm. how do we actually explain that? I mean, mm. do bad things, I mean, in your experience, Eric, do bad things happen to good people? Do do do, do good people Lose, have financial challenges in their lives. Well, I've seen it in my lifetime, um, and uh, the Bible does not guarantee uh, that a Christian will not go through calamities. Um, in fact, I think that if we don't go through calamities, then 
you know, we wouldn't need God, would we? Yeah. And this is what it's yeah. about. Yeah. I mean, you know, with Job, he lo- I don't know how he could, how he'd have, but he said all, he had 10 children died, you know. Um, and uh, he had sores. Uh, there were many disasters. There were four reports that, that came to him. Uh, he lost his, uh, his livestock, uh, his business, and his family. And so, um, yeah, uh, unfortunately, um, it, because I think, you know, even in Jesus' days, they were always wanting Jesus to do miracles. And he said, no, that's not the reason you follow me. You know, he said, uh, uh, I'm not going to do this. And many times he said he wouldn't do it. And, and the reason being, it wasn't his time, he said, because they wouldn't understand. But we could follow God for the wrong reasons. If I have, I have met some people who, who follow God and they see everything, you know, the blessings, which is fine. But then they want to, uh, to gain more and more. And, mm, mm. and, you know, it's more of a love relationship rather than a want or a get relationship. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it really what it boils down to because then we're, f- we're following Christ. He wants us to follow him because he loves us. He didn't come to us yeah. because he wanted to gain anything from us. He just wanted us because for that love relationship. In other words, we're following Christ because of what he what he shares, because of our love for him, because of uh, his his principles that he's established in in the scriptures. To me, as I look at the the scriptures, I don't actually see evidence for this supposed guarantee that Christians are going to have health and wealth. There are Christians who have, and there will be people listening to us today who I'm so conscious, whose health, they'll be struggling with their health. Mm. I'm conscious that there are others who will be listening to us today who will be struggling uh, with their finance. And this is part of the, in fact, one of the, the passages that really jumps out to me is, uh, is Philippians chapter 4 mm. uh, and verse uh, 11 and, uh, and 12. And this is the great apostle Paul is uh, he's speaking. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is what he says. And not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. Hmm. Now, this is amazing what he is saying. I have learned in whatever state. And then he goes on. I know how to be abased. In other words, he knows the challenges of poverty. And I know how to abound. Before he was a Christian, I believe he was actually a very wealthy man. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Eric, what's he saying here? Well, I love my translation on this one. Yeah, 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 please. I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. That's number one. And then the second one is I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound. In other words, I know what it's like to be, as you say, without much. And I know what it's like to have plenty. In any and every circumstances, I've learnt the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, mm. abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So here he's saying, I know what it's like to, to, be, uh, to be rich and I know what it's like to be poor and to be brought down. But I know that I have learned to be content in whatever I have and to be happy with that. And I think that's that's the big key. You know, um, sometimes I think, Gary, to be quite honest, 
we can we can criticize people for being rich and saying, well, the Bible says, mm, doesn't mm-hmm. it, Luke 18, that it's harder for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And we mm. can stand back and criticize people who are rich. But I believe it's what they're doing in their lives. I believe it's the contentness they have and what they do with that. We can't judge people on that. But you're right in saying that, you know, that if, that the Bible does not guarantee that we won't have any disease or that we, um, you know, that uh, uh, we'll have all the money we need or that God will supply yeah, all, yeah. all of that. The the secret to this, I think, is, is the lifestyle we lead in, in, a, in listening to God, obeying his word, and then he adds to us the treasures, the treasury of, of his. That word contentment, though, I mm, think is yeah. so key, you know, because we're actually living in a world in which uh, entire uh, in, entire households are not content they have they don't understand this particular word i think it's really key uh in all that the scriptures are actually teaching us but eric look let's come to some music uh let's come to uh, uh bethany dillon how deep of the father's love
Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Eric Hoare. Eric's the recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. And this week we're following the theme, the Bible and money in a materialistic world. And the big question for today, is the prosperity gospel biblical? Eric, bring it. Bring it all together with us, uh, uh, to us. How, how does, you know, how do we uh, live in this world, you know, if we can't be guaranteed uh, that we're going to be given a super amounts of wealth? In fact, if bad things happen to, to, to good people, um, you know, does the scriptures help us out at all? Yeah, there's two scriptures I'd like to finish with, um, Gary, and it's First Timothy six seventeen to nineteen, where it says, "As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share." thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. You know, Gary, I found in my life, you know, when I was um, in certain parts of my life that, you know, I, I couldn't have enough money to put into super for old age. And yet somehow through life, um, it, it just seems to come about that when you follow God, he provides. He seems to provide just what we need. And then we seem to end up um, in a happy situation where we followed God and He just provides and and gives us the riches of life. That's a wonderful little. Te- that's a wonderful testimony, actually, because you know you've basically been a small businessman mm-hmm. uh, most of your your entire life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know you haven't worked for somebody else. Uh, you've uh, you know as a result nobody else has put aside money for superannuation, mm-hmm. uh, and yet uh, you found that God is faithful. In spite of all of that, I'm sure, Gary, that many listeners out there know that the times when when you feel closest to the God is when you see His leading and providing in your life. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, if we look at uh, and change our mind into the riches of what we can mm. get from God, and we're talking about monetary things here, it takes us off what God is really trying to tell us, you know. Yeah. And that is to that I will supply your needs. You know, don't go to the way the world goes and look at riches. Yeah. But and the other one. That I really love is um, Matthew six nineteen to twenty one, where it says, "Do not store your up for yourselves treasures on earth, where yeah. moths and vermin will destroy, mm-hmm. and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." Mm-hmm. Mm. So what it's telling us about then, if we've got our priorities right and uh, with the evils of money and having a balance in their lives, if we have our heart right and, in, and, and tune it in with God, then, you know, that's where we should be, not in the world, but with God. And, and then he, he just provides all our needs. He supplies what we need, you know. Mm, no, that's really appreciate that because that key word that you used there was uh, that issue of uh, of contentment. You know, mm. I, I I actually um, picked up uh, something a little while ago. This is uh, this is what it said. You know, it was started by talking about what is contentment. One dictionary defines contentment as the state of being mentally or emotionally satisfied with things as they are. Today, it's a rare. A thing that we find anyone who's truly content with his or her condition in life. 
the Bible has a great deal to say about contentment, being satisfied with what we have, who we are, where we're going. Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body and more than clothes? In essence, Jesus is telling us to be content with what we have. Moreover, he's given us a direct command not to worry about the things of this world. He adds, for the pagans, they run after these things. The Apostle Paul was a man who suffered and went without the comforts of life more than most people could ever imagine. Yet he knew the secret of contentment. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learnt the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether we're well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him. That strengthens me. You know, these are powerful thoughts that uh, that Paul expressed, weren't they? Yes, and, and when you're talking about, I, th- I thought of the verses where it says, talks about the sparrow. Don't worry. You know, look how the the sparrow. You know, I provide for them, and yeah. they don't store up their things for later on. It's interesting, Pastor. Go when you talk about con- contentment. I know that during some of the market crashes, I remember the store one store in America, one of the big market crashes way back, where a man committed suicide because he was down to his last million. You know, so this is what it's talking about, that where your heart is, that's where you'll be also. And God is telling us today, tonight, he's saying to us that if you truly follow me, if you uh, have the faith and confidence to come to me, because I think we all do worry about money. Mm. I mean, this is the big thing, isn't it? Before I was a Christian, money was the big thing that that drove drove my life. But now, uh, when you put your time and your effort into reaching out for God, then what he puts back into you is contentment and happiness and the joy of living because our days, it says mm. here, are short on this earth. You know? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, w- one point that uh, I someone did actually pick up with was this, uh, uh, talking about the latest global statistic uh, shows that if one has a roof over his head and a meal on his table, he's actually richer than 93% of the world's population. If a person wears a pair of shoes, mm. he's richer than 75% of the world. Uh, in the United States alone, credit card debt averages more than $16,000 per household, mm. and yet we're still discontented. <laughs> Solomon, the wisest and richest man who ever lived, said, whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. Be content with such things as you have uh, means as believers uh, should put our trust and confidence in God that we and we should be satisfied with our condition regardless of our circumstances. For we know assuredly that if we're faithful to God, he will cause all things to work together for our God. You know, this, this is a wonderful uh, understanding of, of life, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's the word you used in trust. Do you you know you put your trust in the money that we have, or do we put the trust in God that we serve? I think I think that's the big issue tonight. As we talk about these issues, is to having that balance in our lives where we take our focus of what we are gaining rather than what God is supplying. 
because mm. what mm. God supplies to us fills a void in our life for that need because, you know, I know somebody bought a new car recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you buy a new car, you look for the scratches and you keep it nice and clean. But after a while, it doesn't really matter. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just mm-hmm. another car, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But when you follow God, it's the love and the joy and the pleasure of seeing other people being happy and sharing your resources with others. And that's why I, I believe that's what God is saying here, that the treasures of heaven that he gives us, sure, we can, we can get by and, and we can have what we have. But we're not like the evangelist that says, you know, bring all this money in for this purpose, and we find that it's not for that purpose. I, I really believe that God gives us the treasures of heaven. Mm, mm. Mm. No, yeah. thank you, Eric. Mm. Well, folks, look, let's just let's pray together. Mm. Father in heaven, Lord, we just come to you now. We want to say thank you uh, for the way that uh, you have blessed our lives, Lord. Sometimes not with material wealth. But, Lord, we want to say thank you for giving us the peace that only you can give. Lord, thank you for giving us clarity and direction. Uh, Lord, thank you uh, for uh, for giving us relationship. Uh, Lord, thank you uh, that that, that you've given us salvation so rich and free. Lord, I just pray that you might bless each of our listeners right now, that you might be really close to them. We just ask, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when we ask, does the Bible reveal any financial principles? We really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you.